Have you ever been the new kid? I think all of us have experienced that on more than one occasion. In fact, the whole educational system, at least in the United States, is, is predicated on you being the new kid at least several times. We all go through this repeating of the freshman experience, don't we? You're a kindergartner, and you're the freshman in school. You're the, you're the new kid there. And uh, once you kind of make it through kindergarten, and you go through elementary school, and, and then what happens? You, you graduate to middle school or, or junior high, and you're a freshman all over again. And just about the time you're getting the hang of middle school, what happens? You come to the end of it, and it's time to go to high school, isn't it? And you're the freshman all over again. Some of you go through that process only to graduate and go to college. And your first year of college, you guessed it, freshman all over again. Two steps forward, one step back. You know what? I went to seminary after college. It was a three-year experience, three-year uh, graduate school. First year of seminary, they called it the junior year. The second year, they called the middler year. And the last year, of course, you're a senior. They wanted you to come in as juniors, perhaps so that you didn't feel like freshmen all over again. But, you know, we still had to use the map to find the classes. and, and all. You were, I don't care how they churched it up. You were freshmen. In fact, I don't even think middler is really a word, do you? I mean, I've never heard of that word anywhere else. Leave it to a seminary to church it up. Uh, for me, it was, a, it was a little bit more complicated when I was growing up. And that's because my family always moved. I mean, we moved frequently. We weren't um, military or clergy. We were just poor. So we moved around a lot and tried different places. But I was always the new kid in school, it seemed like. And I know this is going to shock you. But I was always the littlest kid in school, too, right? <laughs> I might as well had a big giant target on me that said, please, pick on me. I want it. You know, I'm new. I'm little. Come after me. You know, and I always found some guys, they say, are chick magnets. I was the bully magnet. You know, they were, they, and so it toughened you up. And I know a lot of kids have much more hardship than that. But that was mine. You know, so you want my, my lunch money? Okay, here you can have it. Leave me alone. Uh, you know what you long for when you're the new kid in school? You long for someone who's also new and bigger and stronger. <laughs> you, want, you want an ally. Just give me somebody else so that, you know, I'm not the only one. We can, we can team up and, and fight together. You want, I mean, you want a lightning bolt to come from heaven and strike that bully kid. But even more than that, what would be really nice is to have somebody on your side. You know, somebody who would stand side by side and, and fight with you against the bully so that you can stand up against the man. That's Israel's story. It's not just a playground story, it's Israel's story. Israel is this tiny little nation. And they live in a very tough neighborhood. For 600 years before the birth of Jesus, they were the smallest nation that somehow got in a fight among themselves and, and, and have their, themselves. They became an even smaller little nation. And they had big bullies around them. Egypt to the south. Assyria, Syria, uh, uh, Babylon to the north, Persia later. They had all sorts of, of people that are bullying them around. And in fact, it seemed like their only ally, Israel's God, had abandoned them. He allowed these big bullies around to sort of have their way with Israel. In fact, the Babylonians invaded the southern kingdom of Israel and and just deported the whole population. They, they packed people up into, into crates and chains and, and led them literally thousand miles away from their home and replanted them 
in another part of the world. God had promised, among other things, land. (laughs) This little strip of land. And now they weren't even living there. Eventually, the the Babylonians kind of passed along and, and the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire. Israel became like a property. It was just passed along. And and the Persians said, you know, why don't you go home? But they still kept their thumb heavy upon the people of Israel. It became a real difficulty and and years went along. It was was the the Babylonians and then the Persians and then Alexander the Great came along and Israel got passed to the Greeks. And then after he died a very young death, he passed them along to what became eventually the Syrian group. Now, here's where it gets really bad because a real bad bully comes in. This guy's name is Antiochus Epiphanes. He named himself God Made Manifest. I mean, you've got a serious ego problem if you call yourself God in the flesh, right? And so he here's what he does. He, he, he takes Israel and he says, not only do I want to be in control of you as far as taking your money and, and keeping you under my thumb, I want to change everything about you. He outlawed their culture. He said no longer is it legal for a mother to circumcise her young boy even though it's in the the law of Moses. In fact, if a mother does this, here's what's going to happen. And this really happened. You can look it up. It's historical. If a mother was to take her son and present him to a priest for the rite of circumcision, that mother was to be found out by Antiochus and his, his police. She would be hanged in the city streets. And her young son would be hanged by a rope around his mother's neck and left there. For days and weeks, as a testimony, if you do not do what I say, if you continue to follow the, the law of, of, of Israel, this is what will happen to you. He outlawed Sabbath observance. He outlawed um, all sorts of, of kosher uh, uh, laws that were part of Israel's history. And then he did this. He took and he set up a statue of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. A pagan idol. He sat up in the temple and then he sacrificed a pig to that Greek god, Zeus, in order to just smack Israel in the face as hard as he could. Now imagine yourself living in that context. Imagine yourself trying to live as a faithful son of Israel, a daughter of Israel, trying to be a faithful child of God in that context. I mean, it's like the worst bully in the world. And if only somebody would stand up for you. And finally, this really old priest, his name was Mattathias, did exactly that. He said no more. And Mattathias had a son. His name was Judas. And this guy was a good Judas. <laughs> and this Judas led a revolt. He led a revolt with a little band of army. It was such a small little army, you wouldn't think it could do anything. But they drove out the most powerful army in the world, the Syrian army, out of Israel in just a couple years. This guy, Judas, was so tough, they called him, you're going to love this, Judas the Hammer. Judas Maccabeus. If you're on the playground and you need a friend, and there's a kid whose name is the Hammer, you know, I mean, that's your friend, right? But listen to this. Listen to to the echoes. After Judas drove out the Syrian army, and coincidentally, Antiochus died a mysterious death on the way out, Judas comes riding into Jerusalem. Judas the Hammer. Judas Maccabeus. Riding into Jerusalem on a horse. And all the people came out because he had driven this army out of town. All the people came out. 
And they started waving their national symbol. Any idea what that was? A palm branches. They started taking off their coats and throwing them on the ground in front of Judas, singing this. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They started singing Psalm 118, more than 150 years before the birth of Jesus. Judas drove out the pagans. And for about 100 years, Israel had self-rule. Until another big bully came along. This time, this bully was called Rome. And it was like the worst bully ever. I mean, this is like Evander Holyfield came into the fifth grade. Okay? I mean, this is the worst kind of bully experience. And Rome took over and started doing exactly what all the other bullies had done before. And that's where the gospel finds us. It's in the middle of that context. The worst bullying, the worst oppression, the worst kind of thuggery ever is the context in which Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. You hear echoes of Judas, right? Judas, when he rode into Jerusalem, rededicated the temple. Jesus rode into the Jerusalem and guess what he does? He rededicates the temple, drives out the money changers. And as he's riding in, people are shouting, Hosanna, waving palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Only it's a little mixed up this time. With Judas, he drove the Syrians out and then rode into town. That's the way it's supposed to work. Jesus rides into town and the Romans are still there. It's like he read the script but lost a page of it, you know? The whole bit where he drives out the the bad guys, the whole bit where he beats up the bully, it's not there anymore. Has he got this thing out of sequence? And so you're the new kid in school. You've been picked on a bit. You're looking for somebody to come along and help. And suddenly here this guy shows up. He's really tough. He's, He's Muhammad Ali in the fifth grade. You've got a great ally. He's, he's befriended you. He's on your side. And the whole school is a buzz. I wonder how that story is going to play out. Amen.